When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Andy Staples on three and happy bowl season. That's right. This is the last show before you've got bowl games on your TV. That's right. That starts Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern time with the Myrtle Beach Bowl. The soon to be in 2024 Sonny's Barbecue Andy Staples Bowl. We talked about that on, on Wednesday night show. If you didn't hear that Dear Andy question where they asked, what would your bowl game be if you sponsored a bowl game? That's the one. So go back and listen to that because that's the game you're going to want. Although, hey, Georgia Southern versus Ohio U, that'll be fun too. On the teal. Also the LA Bowl. The Gronk LA Bowl. Rob Gronkowski is the host. You got UCLA and Boise State. And the Independence Bowl, 9.15 Eastern Time from Shreveport. Cal and Texas Tech, your first Power 5 on Power 5 matchup of the bowl season. I guess we can still use Power 5 through the bowl season. Uh, it becomes not a term anymore after the bowl season. But the Cal, still a member of the Pac-12, not off to the ACC just yet. So get ready for a bowl game. 11 a.m. Eastern Time Saturday. There's five bowl games this Saturday. Remember, in the New Mexico Bowl, New Mexico State, Fresno State, Diego Pavia is playing for New Mexico State. That's the quarterback. He's the most interesting player in all of these games on Saturday. So give that one a watch as well. We got a lot going on in the world of college football. A lot of news, a lot of movement. So a lot of these schools, they are trying to get their recruiting classes together. The high school players can sign as early as Wednesday. Everybody's trying to nail down their classes. You got the final visit weekend. But the thing is, it will not just be high school players visiting a lot of these campuses this weekend. There will be quite a few transfer portal official visitors. The epicenter of this is going to be Tallahassee, Florida, where two highly sought-after transfer portal quarterbacks will be visiting the Seminoles at various points this weekend. We got a big show today. We're going to start it. With Pete Nakos, the king of the transfer portal, talking Cam Ward and DJ Uyunglele visiting Florida State. What happens now to Kyle McCord now that he's not going to Nebraska? What does Ohio State do now at quarterback? So much going on in the portal, and Pete has all the answers. Here's Pete. We welcome Pete Nakos, and uh, we have. An official term for when you drop recruiting news on social media or transfer portal news on social whatever news you drop. You drop a lot of different kinds of news, you know, sports business news, transfer portal. We're gonna call them nacosifications from now on, Pete. I saw the I saw the Twitter reply and you were like, that's it. And I was like, Andy's tuned in, man. Andy is tuned in. I love it. Nacosification. So we we're we've had quite a few nacosifications 
here on Thursday. I want to start with two quarterbacks in the portal who may wind up in the same town. I don't think they're going to be there together, but in pretty rapid succession, DJ Uyunglele, who's coming from Oregon State, Cam Ward coming from Washington State, both potentially visiting Florida State this weekend. Yeah, they're both going to be there at, at very different times. Cam Ward, it's like five. It's Cam Ward will be in uh, Tallahassee tonight, uh, and then and then DJ is expected to roll in Saturday after Cam leaves. Um, Andy, we talk so much about the, this quarterback market and everything, and then all of a sudden, right now, the next seventy-two hours or so, Florida State's going to have the two best quarterbacks maybe in the portal in Tallahassee. Well, and. Cam Ward coming from Miami, right? So he's he's looked at them. That's one where, you know, Shannon Dawson, the offense he runs, very similar to what Cam Ward came out of in, in Washington State. Uh, but Florida State, obviously, with the talent they have coming back, with how well they've done historically in the portal under Mike Norvell, I would imagine that's a pretty enticing thing for, for either of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Cam Ward thinks he can – playing both offenses really well. And I think the really interesting like narrative here per se is the fact that like ever since DJU went in the portal, he like FSU was the school. Like it mm-hmm. is always been. And then on the flip side, you have Cam Ward who, I mean, Cam has been really open. The NFL is still an option. He's been at Miami talking to ESPN earlier today. He even mentioned a possible third visit, which could be at Nebraska or Washington. And, um, it, it's just two very interesting narratives going up against each other where DJ wants to be in Tallahassee and, and Florida State needs to at, at look at Cam Ward, right? Because, I mean, the, the Cam Ward is a freak and, and might be a top draft pick in 2025, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Florida State would be doing a disservice if they didn't bring him in. Well, right, and, you know, DJ, a uh, very different quarterback than Jordan Travis, but Cam, from a skill set perspective, probably can play a similar style to Jordan Travis, which I imagine Mike Norvell enjoyed calling plays for Jordan Travis, probably would enjoy calling plays for for Cam Ward too. Yeah, definitely. Um, just just really interested to watch. I don't think we're going to even like know anything until like Sunday night because um, wow. I do think they're going to get both on campus. Couple couple possibilities here if we if we play this out like. You could have DJU starting against Clemson, which would be storylines galore. If, if that happened, you'd also potentially have DJU starting against Cam Ward in an ACC game, Florida State, Miami. Yeah. I think the, the crazier narrative to me, and this is like a huge hypothetical and you'll laugh, but like imagine if Cam Ward doesn't come in on that Miami visit, then commits soon after the FSU visit. And now Mario Cristobal has to completely like look at his cube board all over again and try to get DJ. What's up? I think it's Will Howard, but still, it just would be a crazy turn of events. It is. It is amazing. This is this is so much more interesting, I think, than the, the out of high school recruiting, just because we know these guys so well. And especially like DJU. Think about DJU as a true freshman in 2020 replacing Trevor Lawrence at Notre Dame when Trevor had COVID. We've, he's been in our lives for that long. <laughs> he's got one more year of college football. The coolest thing about DJ is like those two years at Clemson just never 
never really meshed the way I think DJ thought. And and then you go see him at Oregon State this year, and he crushed it, man. Like, everyone was like, uh, it's a DJ problem at Clemson. And then he goes to the West Coast, and, like, DJ looks like the five-star that we we all knew he could be. And it's just cool to see that play out. It, it'll be really interesting to see what happens, you know, who whose offense he ends up in and what he ends up doing. Uh, another guy that, that you reported on this week is Kyle McCord. Mm-hmm. He said on, on Wednesday that, that Nebraska's off the table as an option for him. What are his options now? Yeah, I think his market isn't exactly what uh, a lot of us thought it'd be when he hit the transfer portal. I've heard Duke thrown around. I've heard Syracuse, uh, nothing really firm there. Uh, but yeah, really interesting position. Kyle McCord finds himself in right now. So yeah, he again started for Ohio state against Michigan less than three weeks ago. And now here he is casting about looking for a school. What happens with Ohio State now? Because this is one where they don't have to take a quarterback out of the portal. They have quarterbacks on the roster. They have Aaron Nolan, who's a very highly recruited quarterback, coming with the signing class as well. But is it possible that that they put out the bat signal and, and say, hey, guys in the portal, or even guys who are not in the portal, you might be able to be Ohio State's starting quarterback? Yeah, so one thing we should make really clear is Kyle McCord will not be going back to Columbus. That is not on the table, just talking to sources and stuff. So uh, anyone hoping to see Kyle McCord back in Columbus, that's not going to happen. Um, The second thing I'll say, though, is I don't think Ohio State is dying to add a transfer portal quarterback right now. Um, They've they've talked to DJ. Um, Everyone was speculating about Cam Ward to Ohio State, that that is not going to happen. they they really wanted to get in on Riley Leonard that that just never came to be uh, I think as they had hoped to so yeah I think they're going to stay pat they got Devin Brown they have Lincoln Keenholz they're adding Aaron Noland in January I, I, and they're really high on, on Lincoln who is a true freshman and, and will be a sophomore and and probably challenge Devin Brown for the starting job if everything plays out the way it is right now and the bowl game Devin Brown's game though. Yeah, I mean, I think Devin admitted it in um, conversations with the media early this week, and it, it makes sense. He, he has game experience, but I'm sure Ryan Day would love to get Lincoln maybe a couple snaps too, just to get some film to look at as we enter the offseason. Yeah, that that that's a pretty big job to have open, and you know, until that Kyle, until that Nacosification that Kyle McCord wasn't going to be there, we assumed it was going to be Kyle McCord. So let's talk about another guy who generating a ton of buzz even though he's not really been a, a, a QB1 anywhere yet he has started a couple games Malik Murphy coming from Texas uh, this is a situation where he has decided that he's not going to be with the Longhorns through the playoffs so Arch Manning moves into the backup role behind Quinn Ewers and what 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 is the the thinking here with Malik Murphy because uh, he's one of that after spring practice last year could have entered the portal and had a ton of ton of buzz as well. Yeah, I think we were all kind of bracing for that, but but Malik stayed and obviously he stepped in this year when Quinn went down and um, really tough situation where he can't be with Texas right now for the college football playoff. Um, Andy, you and I were kind of talking about it before. I think that the the truth is though is that he is really highly sought after right now. He has a great market. Um, Pete Thamel put out like t- like. 
eight to ten schools to watch today. I think yeah, really early on before we're like these are the top three or something. But um, definitely has a lot of interest. His athletic ability is insane. Yeah, and and the, the arm is great. The turnovers that were the the question, but again, that was his first couple games as a starter. How does he grow? You know, how does he develop? And that's one, you know, in the you mentioned Pete Thamel put out a, a, a several teams. Ohio State was on that list. Georgia was on that list. It does feel like he's one that's going to draw interest from those kind of places because there's three years of eligibility remaining. Yeah, I mean, USC and South Carolina both made it too, which was interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I think the eligibility, um, The I mean, he has experience in the Steve Sarkeesian offense. He, he pushed Quinn Ewers. I mean, I think... I think Malik has everything that a lot of offense coordinators and quarterback coaches are looking for. And um, right. We talk about dual threat and everything. Like he is the, the, the great college quarterback right now. Like he is the, the prototype to an extent of what college coaches want in a quarterback. Yeah. Fit physically everything you fit, want. Yeah. Now, whether, whether that comes together, it remains to be seen, but, in terms of raw tools, yeah, he's exactly what you want. So that that market definitely appears to be robust. Another market that another guy. We'll move away from the quarterbacks for a second because I want to talk about Trey Moore, who mm-hmm. is one of those guys coming from a Group of Five school at a position that is very valuable in the transfer portal. So he's an edge rusher. He's at UTSA. This is a, you kind of wonder like if Marcus Davenport had been able to take advantage of these transfer rules before he became a first rounder from UTSA. So Trey Moore, uh, you said you reported that Ohio State called off a visit with Trey Moore, basically getting good news from their their defensive lineman from an NFL perspective. But Trey Moore headed to visit Alabama now. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Ohio State did call off that visit. I talked to a couple sources at Ohio State, and it was made pretty clear to me that the Buckeyes were the ones who who called it off. And I mean, I think Texas is still the one to beat right now for Trey Moore, uh, but he is going to visit Alabama this weekend, and and. Man, could you imagine him in a, in a Nick Saban defense? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that they have had better pass rushers in the last few years at Alabama than they had previously under Nick Saban. Like Will Anderson, obviously was was off the charts good, but Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell this year very good. Like you, you throw another person in there like that, and it does help Alabama kind of continue rolling. But you know, Texas is a is an interesting one as well because. I feel like they would be pretty formidable off the edge if you add if you yeah. add a Trey Moore. And I think I think the big attraction too for Texas is obviously Trey Moore uh, has proven himself. And and but Texas also has to make that jump to the SEC next year. And mm-hmm. uh, Trey Moore can make that a lot easier uh, with with his pass rush ability. Yeah, because they they've got Ethan Burke coming back, and they were they were using Anthony Hill a lot you know, in, in pass rush situations, if you add another kind of elite pass rusher, that is a, that is a yeah. scary prospect for, uh, for opposing offensive tackles. So uh, one school that seems to be very active and I think we may have them number one in our team transfer portal rankings at the moment is Louisville. Uh, they are, you know, they, they, they got the offensive tackle from Yale. They got Thor Griffith, the D tackle from Harvard, uh, Tyler Shook, the quarterback from Texas tech. Uh, you reported that, that, Colin Lacey, the South Alabama receiver transfer, who everybody thought was going to Texas A&M, that he's visiting Louisville. Yeah, Andrew Corey Brooks is getting to campus tonight. Alabama, yeah. I mean, Louisville has it together. Um, 
And let's be blunt, Andy, Louisville has done a fantastic job getting its NIL operation in place the last six yeah. months. They knew the portal was coming. Uh, Jeff Brom is all in at Louisville. Um, and yeah, they, they figured out the NIL. They have it going strong. And I mean, even just talking to sources the last 24 hours, there's a, there was hope that Cam Ward would be on campus this weekend. And, wow. Um, that's not going to play out the the way they were hoping, and, and that's okay. They, they have some elite wide receiver talent coming in. But, I mean, yeah, I think it's just evidence of, of how the cards have it rolling, man. Yeah, and this – like, you knew when Jeff Brom got there, he was going to get him going. But I feel like he got him going faster because – I mean, they were better on the field this year than we thought they were going to be. And now roster construction-wise, this looks like it could be one of the better rosters in the ACC by next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone entering the year expected them to be in the ACC title game. I mean, I did. No. Uh, so, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they, had, they, they even if they just like get A.J. Corey Brooks or A. Colin Lacey, I mean, that is a wide receiver one uh, for the Cardinals maybe. I mean, at least – someone who's definitely going to make an impact. And they also had the UCF cornerback, uh, Court Thornton in mm-hmm. um, at three interceptions this year. So, yeah, I think I think they're doing a heck of a job uh, bringing talent. You can say a hell of a job on this show. It sounds like they are doing a hell of a job. But <laughs> I, I want to switch now to one of my favorites. I, I was very excited to find out where this guy was going. So Curtis Rourke, the Canadian cannon, leaving the Ohio U Bobcats. He lands with Kirk Signetti and the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, I uh, exchanged messages with Curtis after his commitment. And, and I mean, he was awesome at Ohio, right? He 2022 yeah. NAC Offense Player of the Year, had a great arm. Um, but similar to his brother, Curtis, who's now on the Jacksonville Jaguars roster, I mean, it's all about NFL development in this decision. And, and he thinks Indiana can really fit what he wants to do and, and develop and uh, – He's going to be an NFL-esque offense at, at IU, and he really thinks that this is going to be able to elevate him. Yeah, it is. It, it'll be fascinating. Speaking of Kirk Signetti, he was James Madison coach. We got Jordan McLeod still in the transfer portal, his quarterback from JMU, who started at USF, went to Arizona, went to JMU. I don't think Jordan Jordan McLeod's a grad, so he can have around as much as he wants. He doesn't need the. Uh, the temporary restraining order on the transfer rules, but it does sound like, you know, he, he's taking full advantage of, of the transfer rules. I wouldn't be stunned to see him land at Indiana too. I think it'd make a lot of sense, but I guess we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I did want to ask you about, because you, you cover the business of college sport as well, all of the NIL and the different rules changes that are going on. That court case in West Virginia, which feels like it's impacting basketball quite a bit more now, but a, a temporary restraining order issued in federal court basically against the NCAA's transfer rules. So right. there's a 14-day window where they don't apply. There might be a permanent injunction issued in two weeks. We'll find out. But is that potentially going to affect anybody in football right now, or is that more of a basketball situation right now? You know, the NCAA came out with a statement today saying that if an athlete did play and then the NCAA ended up winning a court case that the uh, they would be penalized their one year of eligibility. Uh, I, I feel like quite a few phone calls today um, from a slew of people, and I had to politely tell them, like, I don't know if, if your player needs to go here. Or I don't know if that's the best yeah. because I, I would really just wait to see how this case plays out. 
Yeah, that's the thing. And it's really two weeks. So it, what it would be with football is if you have a bowl game between now and the 27th right. and you just sort of got to figure that out. One I, that was interesting to me, and I, I checked with Florida State on this one because Daryl Jackson, the, he, he had transferred from Miami this past year from Maryland to Miami before that, and he was denied his waiver. Well, because of when he transferred to Florida State, he actually can play in the Orange Bowl because he's been at Florida State a year now. So wow. he has fulfilled the requirement. And so we, the defensive tackle – you know yep. that the Florida State hope and and just imagine if he'd played for that defense with with Fisk and and Jared Verse on that defensive yeah, line that'd be, that'd be crazy. So uh, yeah, he's yeah he's playing in the Orange Bowl. That's that's awesome for him. Uh, yeah, I think I think what has happened in this court case has left a lot of people confused. Um, I, I the NCAA double backed on its statement from yesterday. Yeah, and, that's yeah, crazy. which was like. I mean, what if a player played last night because of it? Like, I, I, I'd have to go look in on that. Several did. There was, a, I, I believe, a UNLV basketball player okay. who, who played and then scored like 14 points. That's and, hard. yeah, and so that is it, – it's going to be – it's going to be a very interesting time. And you've been covering all this stuff, you know, for the last couple of years. But I just feel like if they don't if, – if that permanent injunction gets issued in two weeks – it's basically open season on every NCAA rule if you're a if you're a plaintiff's attorney. Yeah, I mean, and and not to go all big picture. I mean, we're at a breaking point right now, Andy. Right? Like, we cannot. It's not. It's not good for college athletes to have the NCAA rule book picked apart in, in open court right? one by like, one. Yeah, not, exactly. And this is not my uh, open campaign for Congress to step in. My point is, though, it's just evidence of a broken system that that definitely needs to be remodeled somehow. Yeah, they some somebody needs to go get together in a room and try to build it up from scratch. I don't I, I don't think getting the federal government to do it for them is the smartest idea because they tend to yeah. put in things you might not want. Uh, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward because if this judge issues that permanent injunction in 13 days, I, I, they're gonna have to understand that this is it. Like you've got to rebuild the system after that. So We'll have a lot to talk about and write about. Yeah, a lot, a lot to talk about. <laughs> so, Pete, back to the transfer portal though. Like, what do you, what are you most looking forward to over the weekend in the next week to finding out from the transfer portal? It's it's Cam Wardman. It's a, it's like, is he gonna go to the NFL? I mean, I continue to talk to people who keep saying like the NFL is a viable option and. I don't, I don't want to jump ahead of it, but like, what if he goes on these visits and he still wants to go to the NFL? Like you're, you're going to leave quite a few schools like really scratch. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I still think it's a real option. So just finding out what Cam Ward's going to do and, and have these quarterback dominoes fall. Um, really want to see what Lincoln Riley does at USC. Does he mm -hmm. bring quarterback? I mean, he's been pounding on the door at some places and they still have Malachi Nelson. So how does that play out? Um, and then the last thing is Arizona State. I know it's really random, but they did bring in a quarterback. Does Jaden Rashad a state put? Does he not? Um, oh. I, I saw his. I saw his. His dad Harlan had an Instagram post this week that had the uh, the little circle, the the loading, loading. loading. So I don't know what that means. I, I, I've you know written quite a bit about that situation. <laughs> with Jaden Rashada, with with Miami, with Florida, with Arizona State, 
we'll see what happens. But you're right. Kenny Dillingham has been talking to some quarterbacks in the transfer market. And we'll see what it means. But if it means Jaden Rashada is in the transfer market, boy, howdy. That could be another fun recruitment to follow. We're just getting started if that happens. (laughs) Exactly. Pete Nakos, thank you for the multitude of Nakosifications today. Thank you, Andy. That is Pete Nakos taking a tour of the transfer portal. It is a vast void filled with players looking for new homes. Pete is your guide. I think he's doing a hell of a job. We got a couple things to dig deep into today. First, Michigan State. There's a ton going on in East Lansing. Jonathan Smith has taken over. He's got a defensive coordinator in the fold now officially. He's got a quarterback in the fold now officially. A lot still moving around there in terms of guys they have in the portal, some guys coming out of the portal and staying. But it is one of those jobs where they have so much to do there's a lot to talk about. Jason Killip from Spartan Mag will join us very shortly. Later, we talk to Joe Tipton on three's college basketball recruiting guru, Tipton Edits. He's the guy the players go to when they say, hey, here's where I want to commit. Well, Joe stays in touch when these guys get to college too. And we're going to talk about some of the biggest games this weekend. This is a huge weekend in college basketball. You've got North Carolina, Kentucky. You've got Auburn, USC. You've got a very fun Baylor-Michigan State matchup and maybe the most fun matchup, Arizona-Purdue in Indianapolis. Hey, would you like to go to the Arizona-Purdue game in Indianapolis? Perhaps the biggest college basketball game so far this season? You can do it with game time. That's right. Plenty of tickets available, good seats, Bankers Life Fieldhouse. You're very close to a certain steakhouse with a certain shrimp cocktail and potentially, again, the best college basketball game of the regular season so far. Maybe you want to go to the Sugar Bowl. Maybe you want to go to the Rose Bowl, see the college football playoffs. So you want to see Texas Washington in New Orleans? Well, go to game time. You download that app. You can look exactly where your ticket would be. You see the vantage point from the seat you would have and a couple more taps and that seat is yours. By the way, If you use the code STAPLES when you buy that ticket, you will get $20 off your first purchase. So download the GameTime app, code STAPLES, $20 off your first purchase. Also, you want to see an NFL game for 9 bucks? That's right. The Falcons and the Panthers playing this weekend in Charlotte. GameTime has a ticket for 9 bucks right now. Unbelievable. So download GameTime. Use that code STAPLES. 20 bucks off your first purchase. I don't know how that works if the ticket is only nine bucks. Buy a ticket for a friend. Then, you know, you can use the whole discount. I think that's the best way to do it. Go to game time. Code Staples, 20 bucks off your first purchase. The tickets are going to be much hotter at Michigan State in the fall of 2024 than they were in the fall of 2023 when they were dealing with all of the fallout from Mel Tucker's firing in September Jonathan Smith has come from Oregon State to be the steady hand to make their program kind of what it was during the Mark D'Antonio era. That, that I think, is the goal for Michigan State right now. That includes keeping one Mark D'Antonio-era assistant on the staff. We learned this week that Harlan Barnett is staying. 
Jason Killett from Spartan Mag joins us to talk about all of the things going on in East Lansing because Jonathan Smith has been a busy, busy man. We are joined now by Jason Killip of Spartan Mag. That is on Three's Michigan State site, and it's been a busy, busy week in East Lansing. Jonathan Smith, the new Spartans coach, came from Oregon State. Now he's got his quarterback, Aiden Childs, who he signed at Oregon State last year and coached at Oregon State last year. Jason, how did that process go, and and you know, was it always going to be Aiden Childs reuniting with Jonathan Smith? Yeah, I think Aiden Childs was very attracted into following Jonathan Smith to East Lansing. Um, he fits into that offensive system really well, run by offensive coordinator Brett Lindgren. And, of course, it's a massive pickup for Michigan State with an empty quarterback room at the moment. Childs can step in, and Michigan State fans can expect to see him on the field right away. He played as a true freshman for Oregon State last year, um, splitting time with DJ Ugole, uh, the Clemson transfer. So uh, he has experience already as just a uh, true sophomore next season. And he knows the system and he's very familiar with Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren. And he brings something to the table that Michigan State fans aren't used, used to with the dynamic dual threat capabilities. Um, and he's a guy that will attract other talent to follow him to East Lansing. So it's a big first step for Jonathan Smith as he arrives in East Lansing to get that quarterback position locked up and uh, keep keep pushing that momentum. I'm now trying to remember the last dual threat quarterback Michigan State had. Because... Uh, I- I'm struggling. I'm I've struggling, people, Jason. I've seen people um, bring up Drew Stanton as a guy uh, that and that that goes back a little bit. Um, there's not too many, really, when you think about it. Michigan State's really stuck with that kind of pro-style quarterback and offense. So Michigan State fans can be excited about that dual threat capabilities. Uh, Childs had three rushing touchdowns as a true freshman with Oregon State in his limited role. And yeah. uh, he can extend plays and keep the ball, keep the chains moving. So. It's a little bit different, but Michigan State should be excited to have that in Smith's offense. I was going to say Rocky Lombardi, but it feels like the threat was mostly on the ground. Yeah, yeah, Rocky was. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it it's very interesting. We could and and it does feel like a you know a, a, a departure. But how much of this should feel familiar? For a lot of these guys, because it does seem, you know, I've seen reports of more visitors coming from Oregon State. I would assume there's more coaches coming after they have their bowl game that potentially more players may come. Exactly how much is Jonathan Smith going to be importing from Corvallis? Yeah, so they have offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren on staff, and then they have running backs coach and assistant head coach Keith Bonafa. Um, He was recruiting coordinator and running backs coach for Oregon State. And then tight ends coach Brian Wozniak, uh, defensive line coach, and defensive backs coach Blue Adams. So those are just the on-field assistants that Smith brought over, which is quite a few. And then um, the recruiting department is filled with some guys from Oregon State as well. And uh, as Michigan State fans know, last night the, they received two commitments out of the high school ranks um, from running Texas running back Makai Frazier and California tight end Wyatt Hook. Both were previously committed to Oregon State. And they both took official visits to Michigan State over the weekend and decided to join uh, Smith and Company in East Lansing. And uh, they they won't be done adding kids from Oregon State, Michigan State fans. We were, we're recording this on uh, December fourteenth. There should be a commitment coming this evening, so Ooh. stay tuned to that. And there um, we go. Yeah, so Michigan he he is kind of making it Corvallis East, so uh, Michigan State fans can be excited about that. Plug in some holes that are uh, on the roster currently. Got to get used to the specific time commitments with uh, 
the guys with the West Coast background. But one guy who's coming who is not from Corvallis, he's coming from elsewhere in the Big Ten. That's Joe Rossi, the defensive coordinator. Now, he hired away from Minnesota. He's been at Minnesota for a long time. He's been there since 2017. Uh, for those who don't remember, he was elevated to defensive coordinator at the end of the 2018 season. Basically, they had one of the worst rushing defense games you will ever see against Illinois. And P.J. Fleck made a change. Rossi got promoted. And he's been there D.C. since. This was not a case of them trying to get rid of him. This was Michigan State going and taking him. And, you know, what, Jason, what does Joe Rossi bring to East Lansing? Yeah, Joe Rossi, uh, for the recruiting side of things, he immediately got to work on the recruiting trail. Michigan State was actually hosting a Minnesota commitment four-star linebacker, Brady Pretzlaff, out of Gaylord, Michigan. He was on campus over the weekend, and uh, he's committed to Minnesota at, at the moment. So he has a very close relationship with Joe Rossi. And as you mentioned, Joe Rossi is an experienced defensive coordinator and a guy that Pretzlaff sees himself fitting in his defense well. So uh, Pretzlaff decommitted from Minnesota last night, and that's obviously something to watch for Michigan State as uh, signing day approaches December 20th. He wants to have a decision then. So um, having Rossi in East Lansing helps with him, but it's not just one recruit, of course. So um, as he gets settled in East Lansing, we'll continue to work with guys out of the print transfer portal and things to that. Uh, effect. Now, this isn't a complete, you know, just everybody's going to be new because they are retaining Harlan Barnett, who dates back to the Mark D'Antonio staff, uh, retaining Courtney Hawkins, the receivers coach. What what went into to those decisions to keep those guys? Yeah. So uh, with the familiar, familiarity they have in state recruiting and um, with Michigan State in the Midwest, uh, with Courtney Hawkins and Harlan Burnett both being former players as well. So there's a lot of good things that they can do uh, coaching and recruiting with that background. And Harlan Barnett, uh, native of Cincinnati, a very important recruiting area for Michigan State. And also as, when he took over as interim head coach this fall, uh, he was a key role in keeping all those guys away from the portal throughout the season. And um, obviously Michigan State had some guys enter the portal, but a lot of guys – waited it out and stayed in East Lansing and you can give those kids some respect for that and Harlan Barnett some credit for keeping them around and as far as the 2024 class goes uh there's a three defensive backs committed in the class Jalen Thompson and uh Keyshawn Williams of Murfreesboro Tennessee mm -hmm. and Justin Denson of Providence Rhode Island and all three of those guys um credit Harlan Barnett for keeping in touch with them the whole time and uh they were on campus Thompson and Williams will be on campus this weekend and Denson was last weekend and um, keeping Hawkins and Barnett helps keep the class in fold, helps keep the players on the roster, helps retain guys and uh, helps the Midwest recruiting connections going forward. As you mentioned, they they have lost some guys, obviously both quarterbacks who played last year gone. Uh, Noah Kim committed to, to Coastal Carolina on Thursday. Spencer Brown, the offensive tackle is going to Oklahoma where he's probably a plug and play starter there. But I thought it was interesting that you know a couple of offensive linemen, Ethan Lloyd and Brandon Baldwin, withdrew from the portal, decided to come back. Uh, you know, how much did Jonathan Smith and company work on talking to guys when they got there, saying, "Hey, you, give us a shot before you decide you want to take off"? Exactly. Um, some of the kids did they did enter the portal before they got that shot from the new staff. And I think that's a result of seeing um, Ethan Boyd and Brandon Baldwin, two offensive linemen, come out of the portal and return back to East Lansing. They had multiple conversations with the staff, and Ethan Boyd uh, told our website, SpartanMag.com, that 
this Jonathan Smith and offensive line coach Jim McKelzik showed Ethan Boyd uh, appreciation that it was not there before. So just coming in and talking to those guys, everybody, even whether they're in the portal or whether they're not, and building those relationships. When uh, Jonathan Smith was introduced in East Lansing, he said that he didn't sit in the homes of these kids. He didn't recruit them. So he's he totally understands kids wanting to test their waters in the portal. And I think having that open outlook on things um, and inviting them back, you'll see a couple more withdrawals from the portal in the next com coming days. But there's still kids entering as well, and um, it's a two-way communication between the coaches and the players and um they're doing their best to retain guys that they think will help and there's guys on the roster like that that will help and uh true freshman linebacker jordan hall um there was a lot of interest in was he going to enter the portal is he is he not and he posted to social media earlier this week that he's gonna stay in east lansing and so that's a big addition for michigan state that's already on the roster so smith and company are out there looking at the portal, looking at high school and also recruiting their roster the way they need to, to keep everybody in East Lansing. How important is it to just for Jonathan Smith to just kind of calm everything down there? Because it seems like you know, even when it was good three years ago, when they had, or two, you know, two seasons ago, when they had the the great year, went to the peach bowl and then they, they fall off after that. And then obviously everything melts down with, with Mel Tucker getting fired. How much do they need just some, calmness and continuity with this program yeah that's exactly what the program needs uh, no doubt about it and back to harlan barnett and courtney hawkins i think they help keep that calmness in there um the players really do bond with those two guys and the, they, the players that were already on the roster know them well smith has come in and i think barnett and hawkins keep a level of calmness in there and like you said that's much needed in east lansing right now and um some familiar fresh new faces i think it's going to really turn turn the page for them. Yeah, and you mentioned those offensive linemen deciding to come out of the portal. How, how much excitement is there about the, the style of play that, that Smith brings? Because it seems like what he did at Oregon State in terms of, you know, they were really good on both lines of scrimmage. They loved to run the ball. It feels like something that would be embraced in the Big Ten. No doubt. And the, yeah, exactly. And the players in the portal are noticing that and recruits are noticing that and, um, especially now that they've got their quarterback in Aiden Childs, they can keep pushing that offensive philosophy out there. And it's a little bit of a change of pace for Michigan state fans and Michigan state observers with the uh, previous head coaches, a lot of them defensive focused and um, having that offensive pac 12 style of play come over here is welcomed. And the offensive players are excited about it. That's for sure. As someone who covers a lot of recruiting, I'm curious about this because it feels like Michigan state has bounced between recruiting philosophies quite a bit. You had the thing that worked for D'Antonio for years and years where they were finding these gems, these diamonds in the rough and developing them. And where it seemed to start falling apart for D'Antonio is when they started chasing stars a little bit. And then you get Mel Tucker in there and he says, no, I want to recruit the same body types as Ohio state. I want to get those guys on campus. Maybe I can sign them. Maybe not. And it didn't look like they ended up getting any of those guys. What's the philosophy going to be? from Jonathan Smith in terms of recruiting? Because obviously he's not coming from a place where you could get four and five star talent regularly. Yeah. And I think it'll be a mixture of those philosophies. And that's what the perfect common ground is, is where you build your base in, in Michigan, in Ohio and Chicago and Illinois and Indiana and these areas around the Midwest, the places that the kids can get in cars and drive to East Lansing from 
places where their parents can get in cars and drive to games in the era of the transfer portal. I think that really does play a big factor when players are looking at things at the end of the day, how close is campus, how easy can they get there? And um, sometimes you get a kid from California and, and it doesn't work out for them right away and they want to go back home and that's completely understandable. And with, so with building around from the Midwest, you can get some of the, you can set your foundation. You can get some higher, higher three star, lower four star level guys from your area. And then you can look, look outward from there and go down, go down in Michigan state has had success in Texas and Florida. And at times in the past, and a lot of that success comes with on field success, of course. Um, but you can set the foundation in the Midwest and you build out from there. You go down to Texas and Florida and you can finish your class with some higher level kids down there. And I think that's what Smith is going to look to do here as he gets things rolling. And as the program gets itself back to a higher level, then that's when recruiting can take another higher level jump as well. So how, how do the people in the Michigan State fan base feel about the, the way that this new Big Ten schedule is going to work? Obviously, they're always going to play Michigan, uh, but they don't have to play Penn State next year. They do have to play Oregon. Ohio State's still there, so that it doesn't feel like it gets any easier. But is it? Does it feel like it's a little more fun with things changing up a little bit, or is it? You know, is it just different? Yeah, it is. I think it's more fun, and especially for me, someone who covers recruiting, I like um, covering recruiting nationally, and um, that with recruiting territories expanding and the Big Ten territory expanding, and with the schedules as they go, I think there is. Um, a factor that Michigan State fans might not have noticed at first where, like you said, they don't play Penn State every year. They do not play Ohio State every single year. And those spots will be filled in with UCLA, Oregon, Washington, et cetera. But also you get a lot more games against the former Big Ten West, which was mm -hmm. some of the schools on the lower end of the scale. So you get to play some more of those and less of the schools in the East, less demands of Ohio State every single year, Penn State every single year. But like you said, you'll fill those up in games against Oregon and Washington. Those games will be tough and those will be fun as well. And it's something you're not totally used to. So I think it'll be fun to fun as it gets going. But you know who is used to playing those teams? Jonathan Smith. There you go. He's been playing them for, for years now. Played them when he was in college. So he'll uh he'll be he'll fit right in. And I, I know Oregon's on the schedule. The the Spartans have to go to Eugene. So it'll be just like, you know, it'll be just like the Civil War for him. Yeah, I think that's their first um, Big Ten conference game, if I'm not wrong, home conference uh, game. No, they got Ohio State before that. So just, okay. you know, the easy fan <laughs> of Ohio State and at Oregon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, well, 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 welcome to the league, Jonathan Smith. You get to play somebody familiar, but you're going to play the Buckeyes first. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. So much going on with the Spartans. So much work to be done. For Jonathan Smith and staff, we have a lot of work to do in the college basketball season. It's almost time for conference play, but there is one last gasp of great non-conference games coming right at you this weekend. You've got Purdue and Arizona in Indianapolis. You've got Kentucky and North Carolina in Atlanta. You've got Kansas going to Assembly Hall in Bloomington to play Indiana. You got USC and Auburn. You got Baylor and Michigan State. This is going to be a packed weekend. Who better to talk to than Joe Tipton? That's right. Tipton edits the guy who breaks all the recruiting news. Talk to him about how he got into that line of work and also about this monster college basketball weekend coming up. You know Joe Tipton, even if you your brain is telling you 
I haven't seen Joe Tipton on the show before, but you have seen Joe Tipton on your Instagram feed and on your Twitter feed. Every time a college or a future college basketball player commits, that edit is coming from Joe. Like it is almost universal. Joe, before we get into to previewing this weekend, tell everybody how you got into this. Because we, we've talked to Hayes Fawcett about how he's done it on the football side. But how did you get into being the guy that these players trust to, to break their commitments? Well, first, I was, you know, the first guy to do it. Um, nobody yeah. was, at least on the basketball side. And Hayes was probably the same for football. But there wasn't really anyone doing graphics for high school kids whenever they wanted to announce their, you know, their top five schools or their commitment to a program. I remember Donovan Mitchell, of course, is star in the NBA now. This is pre-tipped in edits. He goes into the yep. notes of his phone, types out his top five schools, screenshots it, Instagram and Twitters it. So it's changed a whole lot because now you don't see anyone doing that. They always have a graphic. No. Um, so just over time, many, many years of doing it, um, you know, eventually kind of led me here. And it's been a uh, it's been an awesome journey. So, yeah, notes app is for apologies. Notes app is <laughs> yeah. not for for happy news like that. Is, that's that's the rules of the Internet. Like you can't you can't put here's where I'm going to school on the notes app. So I'm, I'm glad you have, you've filled that need and, and 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 in the process have gotten to know a lot of the best basketball players in the country and, and you know a lot of these guys we've already seen move through college into the nba yeah absolutely i mean zion williamson um cade cunningham paulo bancaro um you know the list kind of goes on and on so it's really a unique position especially kind of catch them early on you know when they're 16 17 18 years old before the the basketball world and the world knows them at all. So it's very unique. So the Zion one I'm curious about because he was very famous as a, a high school kid because of the dunking on Instagram. How does that that first contact get made? So with Zion, I'm, uh, I can't even remember how it how it began, but I'm sure it was just he DM'd me or I DM'd him. And, um, you know, I'd already been kind of operating my Tipton Edits page for a couple of years uh, and kind of when he blew up. Um, so we would just kind of message back and forth um, throughout the recruitment process. And it's funny, before he got super famous, I, I kind of knew um, that he was going to be big just because of there's this dude that's six foot six, 270 pounds and jumps the way he does. And he's a highlight machine. So I screenshotted his Instagram following and he's at like 50,000 followers. And then like a year later, he's at like, this is why he's still in high school before he goes to Duke and even blows up further. You know, he's at like 250,000 followers. And I like even wow. sent it to him and he was like, wow, you know, it's crazy that you, you kind of saw that coming. So um, I think anybody would have seen that coming though, just because based on, you just don't see basketball players, you know, that look like football players jump the way he does. Right. The explosion was the thing. We were just like, whoa. But so you you see these guys, you know, on the, the recruiting circuit. Now they're in college. We're going to talk a little about, you know, some of the, the, the better freshmen in America. Well, we'll start with it. There's a game this weekend, you know, Kentucky, North Carolina. And Coach Cal has a, a pretty heralded freshman class. But the, the guy everybody's in love with right now is Reed Shepard out of that class who probably wasn't the, you know, everybody's thinking DJ Wagner, 
Rob Dillingham, that those guys are going to be the the breakout stars. But what did you see from Reed Shepard when he was in high school on the AAU circuit that that you know sort of gave you an idea that this this might happen? Well, to be perfectly honest, if you said that you saw this happening, him being a <laughs> star <laughs> in his freshman year at Kentucky, then you're lying. No one saw this coming. Coach Cal in interviews was not even mentioning Reed among his stud freshmen. I mean, if Coach Cal doesn't see it coming, then none of us see it coming. <laughs> but just his just his overall feel for the game. I mean, you could tell, you know, that guy was, you know, made to play basketball. He really understands it. His defense, his shot making. Um, I even interviewed him. Uh, it was at an event last year. I kind of said, you know, what can you what do you expect your role to be as a freshman? And he said, kind of whatever Coach K wants me to do. If he wants me to get him water, I'll get him water. If he wants me to come in and knock down a shot, I'll come in and knock a shot. So uh, it's been incredible to see kind of his rise and, of course, his parents going there and having so much success. It's it's a very unique story. Yeah, his dad's an unforgettable. So it's but, – but it's interesting because that's not something you expect to hear from a guy going to Kentucky on scholarship. Like I'll get him. Like th that's just not typically. The, but it's funny because I remember when they last won the national title. That was a group that they were very highly recruited. Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, those guys. But they were all super selfless. Like didn't didn't worry about it. And they had kind of the a couple of veterans that that helped them along. And you know, so maybe that's that's the Antonio Reeves role on this team. But. It's it's interesting to me because they're going to play you know a more veteran heavy North Carolina team, and you see the younger guys and the grown men. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think Coach Cal is at least with this year he's he's mastered it with a little bit of the, you know, the veteran leadership that you need in college basketball to win the older the older player along with the freshman McDonald's All-American caliber player. We saw, you know, the past couple years, he tried to bring in a bunch of transfers, kind of got away from that young style of play. Didn't necessarily work out for him. Um, and there was, you know, Kentucky fans were not happy with how things were going. But this year, there is definitely a newfound excitement in Kentucky basketball. They're, they're playing faster. They're shooting more threes. They're playing a modern style of basketball. Kentucky is fun to watch. So, UNC Kentucky, probably the two biggest brands playing this weekend, but that's probably not the game that everybody's excited about. That game happening in Indianapolis, I believe Ken Palm would call it a quasi home game for Purdue, Arizona, Purdue. And we talk about Caleb Love with Arizona, but I, I feel like this, this is a situation where they're two seven footers, uh, you know, Balo and Crevis, they kind of take center stage as they've got to figure out what to do with Zach Eady probably before they foul out. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the unique thing about Purdue and Zach Eady is that, you know, how do you stop him? I understand there's other seven-footers in college basketball, but when you have a guy that's seven four, three hundred 300 pounds, you know, moves the way he does, is able to score and get to the free throw line, everybody always wants to say, oh, he's shooting 25 free throws a game. Well, it's because you you have to foul him in order to stop him. He's just yeah. that strong. He's that physical. He's that, you know, big of a post presence. So he's a difficult one to stop. And, you know, he gets your front court players in trouble. And, uh, I mean, it is hard to stop that big man. And it feels like he's opened up so much more space for Braden Smith, who you know, had a good freshman year, 
but now he looks like he could be one of the best players in the Big Ten. Yeah, he's made a huge jump. He's made a huge jump. A lot of the, you know, the criticism about Purdue last year was that, you know, can Braden, you know, can Fletcher, can they handle that pressure in the backcourt? And that was kind of, you know, what did them in in some losses last year was, but now they're, you know, a year older, they're a year wiser. Most college basketball players make their biggest jump from their freshman to sophomore year. So they're new and improved, and then they landed a uh, – they brought in another transfer from I think it was Southern Illinois, Lance Jones. So he's another mm-hmm. veteran piece that gives him that kind of um, – you know, that veter- you know that veteran piece as well. So what do you what do you think happens in that game? That's a great question. I mean, you got two top five offenses in the country um, per Ken Palm and then two top ten defenses. Um, you know, Arizona is going to try to speed them up. Um, you know, Arizona plays much faster than Purdue. Purdue plays a little bit, you know, slower style of play. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting one to watch. Um, one guy that really stands out to me um for Arizona is you mentioned Caleb Love. He's been he's been great so far. Um, he's shooting the ball more efficiently, he's sharing the ball. He was kind of that go-to guy last year at Carolina, the guy that was could at times be a little shot heavy. But he's mm-hmm. averaging four and a half assists this season. But I think the key for Arizona is Kashad Johnson. He brings a defensive component that that Arizona did not have last year. Transferred from San Diego State, um, you know, played in the Final Four last year. Um, I think he's the key. How how much does having that experience help? I mean, he's he's played in bigger games than this. This is not going to intimidate him whatsoever. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's every year you see it, you know, transfer portal. It's the talk of the town every year. I know football is going through it now. It'll be a few more months for basketball, but teams want to get older. Um, You know, colleges are taking less high school kids and they want to, you know, get those grad transfer guys. This is the last year of the COVID year before it phases out. But so the experience matters, but then also a coming from a winning program like Kashad Johnson at San Diego State matters as well. So let's talk about the the guys who you know you were helping break their commitments last year. They're freshmen this year. Who have been the ones that that have stood out to you as as kind of the the quickest studies once they got into college basketball? Yeah, a few that come to mind. Um, Jacoby Walter at Baylor is one. Baylor is really good this year. Um, I think most people, at least if you watch Jacoby play in the high school ranks, you kind of saw this coming. He was the perfect replacement for Keontae George, who also found success at Baylor. Um, you know, very similar shot maker, um, guy that gets to his spots and, and can really score it, a former McDonald's All-American um, as well. He's been a huge standout for me. Um, another guy, Isaiah Collier at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, he's A lot of the question marks that he had coming out of high school were, you know, can he shoot? Okay, we know he's a strong, tough, guard downhill guard really really talented passer but can he shoot the basketball that was the question well you know he at least from the field he's almost 50 percent from the field um he is a little bit turnover prone i think he's averaging four turnovers a game which is not ideal and um but i think a lot of that will just come with you know him being more comfortable um you know as the season goes on but those are kind of two guys that that initially stand out yeah, and USC breaking Bronny James back in. We saw him against Long Beach State making his debut. That game this week you know, is still going to be everybody talking about Bronny James because of who he is. But USC's playing Auburn on Saturday. 
So you get Collier versus Aiden Holloway, which is one of the better freshman point guard matchups you're going to see this season. Absolutely. They're very different players. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because Aiden is a little bit smaller, but he's a much better shooter. He can shoot the cover off the ball. He is not afraid to let it fly either. He fits perfectly in Coach Pearl's system there at Auburn. And then Collier, a um, little bit more of a pass first guy, but can also really score it, but loves to get downhill. Aiden would rather shoot around the perimeter. Um, you know, he can, he can, you know, get to the rim, you know, shoot floaters, but um, that's also going to be an interesting matchup as well. So, Joe, as we get uh, these next couple of weeks, will lead us into conference play. What teams do you feel like have, have kind of evolved over this early period and you're excited to see them when they get into their conference and, and really get into the meat of their schedule? Yeah, I think I think Kansas is one that initially stands out to me. Um, them adding Hunter Dickinson, I think, was a huge piece um, right now. Obviously, Hunter, you know, seven foot two, top transfer from the portal last season, coming in from Michigan, double double machine. We've seen how Bill Self likes to play through his bigs. He's doing just that, but he can also step out. He's shooting fifty eight percent from three at seven foot two, two hundred and sixty five pounds. <laughs> Kansas going to Assembly Hall on Saturday. By the way, there's a, there's a, a bunch of fun games. You got you know Kansas, Indiana, Baylor, Michigan State. We mentioned North Carolina, Kentucky, Arizona, Purdue. Like this is going to be a fun weekend, Joe. Oh, absolutely. I'm really excited for um. I'm really excited for the Kentucky uh, North Carolina one. That's probably my that's my must. Actually, I take that back, Andy. I think I think Purdue and Arizona is my must see game of the weekend. But it's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And, and those are both now Kentucky, North Carolina is is a true neutral site. It's in Atlanta. I would imagine that's kind of a 50-50 crowd, but in Indy, Purdue, Arizona is probably gonna be about 90-10. So that'll be a, a, a Purdue home game just in walking distance of St. Elmo Steakhouse, which listen, a shrimp cocktail gets you going. So there you go. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much. Absolutely, Andy. Thank you to Joe Tipton. Very excited for these games this weekend. There's so much to watch. So much to watch because we've got all those great college basketball games on Saturday. There's some NFL games on Saturday. And there are five bowl games on Saturday. So, listen, don't get sucked into the NFL when you could be watching Diego Pavia in the New Mexico Bowl. You know you want to. It's going to be so much fun. It's bowl season, baby. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Talk to you Sunday.